Ethan Crumley finds out his sentence. An update on the Jonathan Majors trial. The defense attorney made the complaining witness cry. The uh, boyfriend allegedly did it. Let me give you an example of what does not qualify as stand your ground. More scary online dating app violence. I hate when judges do creative sentencing. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. Lawyer. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below about what we discussed today. Make sure you hit that little bell so that you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, please listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. All right, let's go ahead and uh, open the record for December 8th, 2023. And first on the docket, Ethan Crumley. That's right. The Michigan high school shooter, Ethan Crumley, has been sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder of four students back in 2021. The now 17-year-old ran riot through Oxford High School um, in the state in uh, November of 2021, killing four and injuring another seven. Now, Judge Kwame Rowe said that uh, Crumley methodically walked through the school, picking and choosing who was going to live or die. Well, ultimately, students Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Julia, Tate Meyer, and Justin Schilling were all killed in that rampage. Six students and a teacher were also wounded. Now, he was convicted, ultimately, of 24 felonies in connection with the school shooting, including murder and terrorism. According to the prosecutors, this case marks the first time the defendant was charged and convicted of terrorism resulting from a mass shooting. Now, in a turn of events, the 17-year-old addressed family members of the victims and um, those affected by his rampage before being sentenced. He stated, what I did, my actions were because of what I chose to do. I could not stop myself. I did not diminish my ability to anyone that could have stopped me. They did not know, and I did not tell them what I planned to do, so they are not at fault for what I've done. I am a really bad person. I've done terrible things no one should ever do. I have lied. I've hurt people. That's what I've done. Whatever sentence it is, I do plan to be better. I will change. It may now show, but I, it may not now show, but I am trying. All I want is for the people I hurt, for those to have a little final sense of culpability, that justice has been served in any capacity. Any sentence they ask for, I ask that you do impose it on me. I want them to be happy, to feel secure. I do not want them to worry another day. I am really sorry. I cannot give it back. Well, there you go. Sounds like he was trying to help his parents out a little bit there in his statement. So defense attorney uh, Paulette Michael Lofton argued that uh, Mr. Crumley deserves an opportunity to have parole at some point in his life after his sick brain is fixed through counseling and rehabilitation. But um, through many hearings and through sentencing, expert witnesses have testified um, that uh, Mr. Crumley has a slim chance that he could ever be rehabilitated behind bars. Now, in a journal uh, that Crumley wrote about his desire to watch students suffer and the likelihood that he would spend his life in prison. He made a video on the eve of the shooting declaring what he would do the next day. Crumley and his parents met uh, with school staff on the day of the shooting after a teacher noticed violent drawings, but no one checked his backpack for a gun and he was allowed to stay at school. 
Well, like their son, Jennifer and James Crumley, the parents are locked up in the county jail, and they're awaiting a trial on involuntary manslaughter charges accused of making a gun accessible at a home and neglecting their son's mental health. I have criticized the charges against the parents, but I get people's frustration with it, and more than likely the Crumleys will be convicted at trial, and it will be up to an appellate court to decide if that was the appropriate uh, charging decision in the future. We'll have to wait and see. But at least we know Ethan Crumley will never, ever be free again. Next on the docket, an update on the Jonathan Major trial. The defense attorney made the complaining witness cry. This is why I love the confrontation clause in the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen. You have a right to confront and cross-examine your accuser. It's the greatest truth-seeking tool ever invented. And, um, well, let's talk about it. So the dancer, who has accused actor Jonathan Majors of assaulting her, cried and abruptly left the stand uh, Thursday as her ex-boyfriend's defense attorney grilled her under cross-examination in the courtroom. Uh, now, Grace Jabari began sobbing and shuddering when shown police body cam footage when the morning after the alleged uh, March 25th assault, when police discovered her lying half-naked inside Major Chelsea's apartment. Eventually, Jabari rose and faced uh, the wall as she cried, and then she asked the judge if she could leave the courtroom. The judge said, there's no need to apologize. It's emotional. If you need time, just let me know. Well, uh, when she returned to the courtroom after uh, being heard wailing outside, the sudden emotional display uh, came after Major's lawyer, Priya Chaudhry, had in the morning repeatedly played video footage of the night in question where Jabari and Majors got into a blowout fight and was being driven across the Manhattan Bridge, which also elicited tears from the soft-spoken woman. Now, Jabari uh, said about watching the uh, video, of Majors allegedly picking her up and shoving her in his chauffeured SUV. This is going to make me sick. The spat was sparked by a text message Jabari said she found on the Marvel star's phone that allegedly indicated he'd been cheating on her. She accused Majors of battering her and leaving her with a broken finger and a gash near her ear. Now, while the actor who is charged with misdemeanor assault and harassment charges insists that Jabari was the aggressor and that he had to run from her when the car got into the city. Now, Jabari left Majors after the fight and had a booze-fueled night out with strangers at a, north at a nightclub before finding her way back to the actor's apartment where Majors discovered her the next morning and called 911. Now, after having two or three hours of sleep, that's when I felt like I had been hit by a bus. I had severe pain in my whole body, Jabari testified. Well, then the attorney continued pressing Ms. Jabari about being incoherent and unable to recall how she'd gotten hurt when the cops initially spoke with her. The attorney asked, isn't it a fact you told police you didn't remember how your finger got hurt? She said, isn't it a fact you asked the officers, why does everything hurt? And isn't it a fact that you asked the officers, why are you here? What did he do? Even after Jabari exploded into tears and took a break in the testimony, the attorneys didn't let up, continuing to play the body cam footage. I really don't want to watch that video. Is that okay, Jabari said. Without acknowledging that Jabari's request, the attorney for majors asked her assistant to load the video up and pass the laptop back to Ms. Jabari. The line of questioning was so persistent and unrelenting, it appeared to make the jury even uncomfortable. 
Now, while Jabari sat on the stand with tears streaming down her face, one juror shot her reassuring smiles. Another winced, and a third dropped her head to her hands and breathed heavily. Earlier, the attorney pressed Jabari on the details of the night as footage showed her uh, downing shots at the club, dancing and ordering champagne, all while being apparently unaffected by her right-hand finger she claimed by that was broken by Mr. Majors just earlier that evening. Quote, it looks like I'm having a drag of a cigarette, yes, Jabari said while being shown the footage of the nightclub. The cigarette is in your right hand, correct? The attorney asked, which Jabari confirmed. That's uh, you being twirled on the dance floor with your right hand, correct? The attorney asked about the uh, footage. Yes, Jabari responded. Now, elsewhere in the footage, Jabari was seen using her right hand to cheers and uh, down shots and pull Major's credit card from her wallet and order a bottle of champagne, then hold four fingers up to the bartender to indicate how many glasses that she wanted. I was full of adrenaline and I was really upset and not focusing on any pain I was in physically at that point, Jabari told the attorney when asked how she was able to use her right hand so extensively with that broken finger. Well, it will continue. We'll see. It's supposed to go into next week, but you got to love cross-examination, ladies and gentlemen. Greatest truth-seeking tool where someone cannot not answer the question, where they can get up and walk off the stand. They have to answer the question eventually. If not, their non-answer can be considered by the jury for their credibility. Could you imagine if we actually had politicians have to swear under oath and answer the question? Could you imagine what a world it would be? Next, it looks like the boyfriend did it. The boyfriend of a San Francisco tech worker was, that was found dead last week has been arrested for murder. Kimberly Wong and her boyfriend live in an apartment on Clay Street, and um, the police conducted a welfare check at the apartment last Thursday evening and found Ms. Wong deceased. Now they are investigating the death as a domestic violence homicide, but no arrests were made until the boyfriend, Scott Fisher, was taken into custody yesterday afternoon. Now, the uh, San Francisco police said that Fisher was located in Contra Costa County at about 10.30 Thursday morning and booked into the San Francisco County Jail just before 1 p.m. Wong worked for banking software firm Plaid, which uh, Fisher worked at the uh, San Francisco-based competitive software company Databricks until October and studied economics at the University of California, Berkeley. The announcement of Fisher's arrest, police said they initially responded to a call asking them to check on Wong. They did not say who that call had come from. Officers arrived in the scene, located an adult female who was unresponsive, and then officers rendered aids and summoned paramedics to the scene. Despite these attempted life-saving efforts, the victim was pronounced deceased. Now, Fisher is currently being held without bond in the San Francisco County Jail. His next court date has not yet been set. Always the boyfriend, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you an example of what does not qualify as stand your ground. So, a man in Florida who admitted to shooting his girlfriend twice, wait for it, wait for it, in the back, has filed a motion with the court stating that he requests to seek immunity from prosecution under the state's stand your ground law. Now, the filings were filed on behalf of Richard Rasick, who is facing one count of second degree murder with a firearm in the April death of his girlfriend, Allison Sheehan, who obviously passed away in the shooting. Now, should a pretrial hearing um, 
of RASIC stand your ground, claim take place, prosecutors would have to show clear and convincing evidence, a standard that's higher than a preponderance of the evidence, but less than beyond a reasonable doubt, that the defendant's use of force was unjustified. Well, the notification that Rasix plans to invoke the controversial uh, law comes just a month after he filed a motion attempting to disqualify the judge presiding over his case, claiming that she was improperly biased against him. Well, the judge swiftly denied that request um, a week later. Now, Rasix reasoned that the judge was biased against him because of her ruling in the Arthur hearing, which is named after a case in Florida, and it's a proceeding in which the defendant charged with a violent crime that typically demands they be held without bond, like murder, rape, kidnapping, robbery, murder, and they attempt to convince the court they should be granted a bond. The proceedings resembles a small-scale trial, but obviously the judge is the sole finder of fact. It's equivalent to a proof-evident-presumption-grade hearing just for not all different types of cases. Anyway, following Rasick's um, hearing, the judge uh, issued a ruling denying the request without missing a whole lot of words, asserting that based upon the evidence, a self-defense claim for Rasick was non-existent. To give the order some context, Rasick has claimed that uh, he feared for his life because Sheehan, who is also the mother of his child, was attacking him with a wine opener, a key, when he uh, shot her in the back multiple times. Now, there's some dispute between the state and defense as to whether or not this might have been an act of self-defense, but the evidence does not suggest that. The evidence suggests that Ms. Sheehan was shot in the back twice and once in the front. There's some reference to a wine opener. Well, neither the photographs nor did the testimony of the detectives indicate that the wine key was near the body. The allegations of self-defense appear to be, for the most part, non-existence in this case. So that gives a little context, and I guess you'd want a different judge if that's your theory. Anyway, the uh, Orange County Sheriff's Office arrived on April 16th. They responded to the home. First responders said that they found an adult female, later identified as Sheehan, who was in the master bedroom of the residence and had multiple uh, gunshot wounds. She was immediately transported to uh, the hospital for treatment, but unfortunately succumbed to her injuries and was pronounced deceased. Rasick was located on the scene and transported to the emergency room because uh, he complained of being severely dehydrated. Well, investigators made contact with Rasick's father, who had been at the home a couple uh, hours earlier in the day to celebrate the birthday of Rasick and Sheehan's son. He left the home at approximately 3.30 p.m., but around that time at 10.30 in the evening, uh, Rasick's father said he began receiving text messages from his son regarding a violent encounter between Rasick and Sheehan. Now, uh, Allison was attacking me. I had to fire shots, one message to the father read, according to the probable cause affidavit. I had to put her down in self-defense. Only choice I had, waiting on the cops. Isn't that convenient? Well, in other messages, Rasick allegedly asked his father and brother to get cash from his safe and sent them a photo of Sheehan's dead body. After being released from the hospital, detectives interviewed Rasick, who said that he and Sheehan had been together for about eight years. He claimed that during their son's birthday party, Sheehan consumed excessive amounts of alcohol. And per Rasick, they got into an argument later that evening, and Sheehan attacked him, attempting to claw his eyes out. 
Racing then told investigators that Sheehan then pushed him into a dresser, knocking him to the ground, and then he went to the bedside table and removed his 40 caliber handgun from the biometric safe, and they kept arguing. He said they continued to argue, and she kept coming at him. He said he became pissed and wanted to put her down, and initially intended to shoot her in the leg so that she would chill. He then picked up the firearm and admitted that he had shot Sheehan four times. Surmising that he aimed high and shot her in the butt, uh, he was able to recall that he shot her once in the shoulder area and uh, the remainder in the buttocks. Well, Rasik went on to admit that Sheehan was facing away from him and walking in the opposite direction when he initially fired at her. Well, he has a, uh, needless to say, Mr. Rasik is still in custody. He has a hearing scheduled for March 28th, and I agree with the judge on this one. There's not a whole lot of self-defense right there. Next, dating apps. Be afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we haven't talked about it for a while, but if you have somebody new coming into your life, go to crimetalksearch.com, okay? Anyone coming into your life needs to be checked out. Do they have a criminal history? Have they filed for bankruptcy? Do they have civil protection orders against them? Those little things that you would like to know before there's problems, you need to go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up for that background subscription service. You're gonna be happy you did because while you have that subscription, you're gonna be able to do a background search on as many people as you like. We use this here in the law firm all the time. You'd be surprised what comes up in public records. Go to crimetalksearch.com and sign up for that background subscription today. And I'm sure, well, this next story may convince you to do so. So a woman was sent to the hospital after a man she met on a dating app allegedly ran her over with his car because they got into an argument. According to the De Plains Police Department on Tuesday, December 5th at about 4.28 a.m., a patrolling officer heard a scream from a woman who was found knocking on a storefront door. The officer made contact with the woman who said she'd been struck by a car. The uh, police report noted that the woman's clothes were wet and disheveled, showing signs of some type of incident that had taken place. Well, the fire department officials arrived at the scene and took the woman to an area hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. During the investigation, police learned that the victim and Jose Roldam Vasquez matched on a dating app and that the two met in a parking lot across the street from where she was found. The victim got into Vasquez's SUV and they left the scene. They reportedly returned to the parking lot where they got into a verbal argument and the woman got out of the car during the dispute to get away. After she exited the car, guess what? That's right, he allegedly drove her into her and she fell. Surveillance footage from the business reportedly showed that Vasquez's SUV hitting the victim and knocking her down. Police went to Vasquez's home and arrested him for the charge of aggravated battery and failure to report a personal injury motor vehicle accident. The uh, police also ticketed him for operating an uninsured motor vehicle. Yes, it is. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you don't do the background checks after you go on the date. You do the background checks before you go on the date. Maybe nothing will show up, you never know, but man, I'm telling you, it is worth it. Next, I hate when judges do unique sentencing. So a judge in Ohio acknowledges handing down a unique sentence to a woman 
seen on camera hurling a burrito bowl at a Chipotle restaurant worker, even though the woman herself seemed to still believe her actions were completely justified. So the municipal court judge, Timothy Gilligan, uh, sentenced Rosemary Haney to 180 days in jail at a hearing last week. He suspended 90 of those days and presented Haney with a unique opportunity. She could shave an additional 60 days from her sentence if she agreed to work at a fast food restaurant for 20 hours a week for two months. The judge said, do you want to walk in her shoes for two months and learn how people should treat people, or do you want to go to jail? Well, Ms. Haney said, I'd like to walk in her shoes. After a brief pause, well, now how did Ms. Haney get here? Well, she was captured on a video from a cell phone verbally berating Emily Russell over the state of the meal before launching the meal itself at the victim back in September. It's a little difficult to make out exactly what was said during the exchange, but it's clear that Haney is very unhappy with what she ordered. Don't throw food at people, ladies and gentlemen. You can go to jail. Frankly, that would be a good thing for this person to have take place. I don't like it when judges do these unique sentencings because frankly, they're probably illegal. That's like saying, hey, if you were to go make a donation to the local food bank over here, we could probably work off some of your useful public service hours. Probably illegal, but yet it's done oftentimes in rural communities. Going to work, you can't order somebody to go get a job at a specific restaurant. I get it, the woman doesn't wanna to go to jail, go work at the restaurant, probably needs to the extra money to pay her attorney's fees. But the reality of it is, I think that's an illegal sentence. That's not something the judge is authorized to do under most statutes or city ordinances. This is the penalty that must be imposed. You don't get to get creative. I don't like it when judges do that. It's probably illegal. I don't know, let me know if you think it's a good idea. I mean, I don't know. Speaking of weird agreements, you would think this simple agreement would be enough, right? A uh, man walks up to the woman and says, I will give you $300 if you urinate on me in the bathroom at the Days Inn writer rental office in Pennsylvania where he met the woman. But while the uh, pay for spray arrangement appeared to have gone as planned inside the hotel room, a subsequent encounter at the hotel parking lot did not. So the man who paid the female provider may have noticed that the woman took his wallet. And so the man that was paying to be peed on, guy by the name of David Butts, apparently believed that uh, Miss Brittany Abousid, Abousaid had swiped his wallet after she finished peeing on him while he laid in the bathtub. Now, according to the probable cause statements, both Butts and Abu Said are apparently uh, in separate police interviews confirmed the terms of the deal for days in parking lot, a golden shower, so to speak. Well, Abu Said said that she was parked outside eating potato chips when Butts asked her, uh, confronted her and fired a single shot, uh, leaving a hole in the passenger side door. While Butts said he feared uh, Abu Said may have been reaching for a weapon, while inside her car, he didn't recall shooting his gun. I wonder if he called getting a golden shower. Yes, of course he did. Anyway, the cops recovered a 9mm cartridge casing at the scene and later seized a 9mm Sig Sauer handgun from Mr. Butts, who lives in Harrisburg, about 30 miles from the Days Inn. 
Well, Mr. Butts was charged with multiple assault counts, reckless endangerment, and patronizing a prostitute. And he's free on $75,000 bond. He has a preliminary hearing on January 4th. Now, Ms. Abu Said was uh, charged with uh, several misdemeanors, including promoting prostitution and theft. She was freed from jail after posting a $5,000 bond and is also set for January 4th court appearance. It's almost like they're getting the band back together again, isn't it? They're going to be at the same courtroom. Well, let's see. Miss Abbasade, who appears to have uh, worked as an escort for more than a decade, she's also received a, um, paytech, a paycheck protection program uh, loan back in 2021 in the amount of $16,040. Her industry uh, listed on the records was independent artist, writer, and performer. Oh, yes, she is. Yes, she is. You can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why we put it in the dumb criminal of the day file. Hope you're saving them. We, we're going to assemble our year-end collection of all of them and put them up for a vote. You decide who is going to be the 2023 dumb criminal of the year. All right, thanks for watching. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution matters.